Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this privilege of being here. It's good to be here, Lord. It's good to be in this house of prayer with brethren and friends, learning more about Thee, bringing our petitions before Thee. And so, Lord, at the beginning, we want to pray for the Coleman family. Don't know them, Lord. Don't know all their needs other than what was put in the email. But, Lord, Thou knowest all things. And we pray, Lord, that in this day, Thy Spirit might minister to all their needs that thou mightest give them comfort, thou mightest draw them close to thee, that they might be able to find some purpose in their suffering. Lord, we pray for the young people that will be going off to school this week, some for the first time getting on school buses. We pray, Lord, that they might be encouraged, that they might find joy in that experience and some excitement in it. We pray also for the parents, Lord, that will be watching the buses drive away. We know, Lord, the, the concern and trepidation that's even in the parents' hearts. So, Lord, be with them. Be with the teachers in this coming week, those that will be interacting with these beautiful young children for the first time. Bless them, Lord, as they will work to make this an experience that would be joyful. Lord, be with those that can't be with us, Brother Dan, the Mueller's, Aunt Maria, Aunt Laney, others, Lord, that escape me at this time. Lord, Sister Hilda, be with all of them, Lord. Speak to their hearts. Help them to feel not only thy nearness, but our nearness through the miraculous working of thy spirit. Lord, speak to us in this morning hour. Give us courage. Help us, Lord, to have a greater understanding of who we are and who you are. And Lord, we will thank thee and we will praise thee for the blessings that we know we shall receive for they are promised in thy word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, my, um, as you know, I was gone last weekend. It's so good to be home. And while I was gone, I, I made an experience that caused me to look at a very familiar scripture in a different way. And I also was privileged to hear a hymn sung. And I'd like to just, before reading the words of the hymn, you all know the hymn. I, this is where I wish our, our services could be more interactive because I'm a more interactive kind of person. But I, if I were, inter, if it was to be able to be more interactive, I would be asking, you know, brothers Hans and brother Uli and brother Urs, you know, what was it like to, to climb up into the mountains? In Switzerland. We have hills. I guess we, have, we do have mountains in the Adirondacks, but around here we have hills. But I want you to think about climbing in a mountain as I read the words to this hymn. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where those abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. My heart 
I'm sorry, I said I read that already. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I pray till heaven I found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. This past week I heard a, a woman, dear woman, older woman, her name is Denise. And she sang this song, a cappella, from memory. It was beautiful. It was inspiring. Now with those words of that hymn in your mind, and you don't even need to find this in Scripture, perhaps maybe today you should just listen. I want to read from Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. I'm going to pause a lot during this. Jesus saw the multitude, and he went up on a mountain. I don't know how big the mountain was. I've never been to Israel. But it was a mountain. He had to climb up higher to get there. I always thought that maybe he climbed up on the mountain so he could talk to the people in the valley. No, that wasn't it at all. Seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. What does that mean? It means that those that wanted to hear from Jesus had to climb the mountain too. They couldn't stay where they were. They had to go to where Jesus was, and Jesus had climbed up higher to get there. My question for us today is, dear ones, are we willing to be climbers? You know, I was... I was, as I was pondering this the other day, my dad used to have a phrase, and he used to refer to people as pikers. I didn't even know what a piker was. I thought a piker was somebody that walked on a turnpike. Actually, a piker is somebody that walks away from their obligation. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, an Australian term. So I almost thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if I could use a phrase, are you going to be a hiker or a piker? This is when you really hope that's not an offensive term because you just used it publicly twice. But are we willing to be hikers, dear ones? Are we willing to climb the mountain? Because if we're not willing to climb the mountain, we're not going to see Jesus. Wow. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And Jesus, in these next 12 verses, 11 verses, will tell us exactly how we do that. And none of us are going to want to do it. Let me explain as we kind of go through this. And so, again, I'll read verse 1 again. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was set, when he sat down, when he was sitting in this position of authority, his disciples came unto him. Again, they climbed the mountain, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Ah. 
Those are blessed. And I, and I, I look these up in the Amplified because I love the way the Amplified takes what the original text meant and expands on it. So Jesus, these were the words that were recorded in the King James. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> so what does that really mean if we look at an expanded term? Blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life joy and satisfaction and God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions. Wow, was Jesus saying a lot when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit are going to be envied. They're going to be spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction and God's favor and God's salvation regardless of the outward conditions are those who are poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we have a right perspective of who we are as one of the hikers, when we realize that we are no one, we have nothing that we can bring. The only worth that we have is worth that God gives us. Now, you'll, you'll say, but wait, aren't you the one that says everybody on a scale of one to this is a ten? Yes, I am that person that says that. Be, the, the value that we have is that we are human beings. We have been created by God for a purpose. We are created by God on purpose for a purpose. But the purpose that we have is nothing of ourselves. It's everything from him. And as soon as we realize that, as soon as, that we, as soon as we realize that our righteousness is a filthy rags, that we are no better than anybody else, and everything that we can bring into this world is simply from him, then all of a sudden we're going to be blessed. And we're going to understand that we really can live an amazing life that is, that is, that is spectacular, that, that we can't even comprehend. And not only do we get, and what I love here is not only do we get that, not only do we get all this amazing blessing here, we get heaven too. The reality is that if, the, that if there was no heaven and there were no hell, the Christian's life is still better than anybody else's. Wow. So why don't people feel that way? I, I heard this quote last week that blew me away. If Christians would really act the way they're supposed to be, we'd have no problem evangelizing the world. Ooh. If we would be living the way Jesus is teaching here on the hill, on the mountain, people would flock to us. So as I was thinking about this this week, I'm wondering, what's missing in my life? And the point was, David, you've got to go to higher ground. And you have to start to embrace some things. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed and enviable, happy with happiness. Now notice this, with a happiness produced by experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do we think about it, dear ones? Where would we be without grace? We know where we would be because we have been there. We have experienced life without grace. But for some reason, dear ones, and I'm not going to pick on you today. I'll pick on me. For some reason, I keep forgetting that. 
I pray, and you've heard me say this before, I pray I never forget the feeling I felt on that hot August night in 1980, 79, excuse me, when I fell on my knees next to my bed at the lake, realizing that without Christ, I was lost. Not only was I destined for hell, my life was going to be hell because it would have been without God. But God, in his mercy, sent his son that I could be offered grace. Wow. Blessed are they, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I remember once somebody saying, well, you know, only the meek would want the earth when, when, it, when everybody else is done with it. Meek doesn't mean just timid. And I, and I think it might have been Sister Martine one time that talked about, that described meekness as a person that has the sword but doesn't draw it. Ooh. This isn't a weakling. This is a person, again, that understands their place, understands where they are. So, again, um, the Amplified. And this, this was, I often wondered what the, this, there's a word here that I, that I defined this morning. I looked up this morning because I never knew what it meant. Um, blessed, happy, and blithesome. We, we, we know someone who's, who named their daughter Blythe. I never knew what Blythe meant. Blythe meant cheerful. What a great name for this young lady. I used to say little girl, but she's not a young, little girl anymore. What, what, I always wonder, why, why did they name their daughter Blythe? I don't know what Blythe means. Blythe means cheerful. So think about this. Happy, cheerful, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, again, regardless of the outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering. For they're going to inherit the earth. Do we realize when we have to be long-suffering that we're blessed? I, I came home, and I, you know, I came home Thursday, and I, I woke up in the morning. I didn't, I didn't feel very well. Um, I got this alert, and, and, and the alert said, you need to get to the airport early because there's going to be a T TSA delay. And wow, how thankful I was that I got the alert. And, and I got to the, and it really, everything went very, very smooth. The flight, lit, literally, you know how it always says on your boarding pass, you know, or you're, even if it's a digital one, it says when they're going to start boarding. They literally started boarding on the minute they were supposed to. Like, wow, oh, this doesn't happen anymore. And the plane took off when it was supposed to. It landed 20 minutes early. Like, how amazing is that? I thought, I am so blessed. You know, my stomach settled down. I didn't have to be running in and out of the, the little bathroom. And the, everything was good. Wow, I'm home. Tim gave me a heads up on this. He goes, Dad, the lawn tractor doesn't work. He says, not a problem. He said, I got Jeremy's. I mowed the lawn. So on the way home, I said, so what do you think? And he goes, I don't know. It, you know, it just did. You know, so, ah, oh, not a problem. I can fix it. So I get under the tractor, like, it's not working. Then we try to push it. I can't even push it. Well, then I, so I called somebody, and they said, you know, this, this wonderful lady at Casanova Equipment said, behind the tractor, there's a lever. Pull the lever out. You'll disengage the PTO. You can roll it up onto your trailer. Because she said, I don't really want to have, to have you have to pay 120 bucks to have us come get it, and then we're going to fix it. Not a problem. I've got a trailer. I've got a truck. Yeah, right. I do have a truck. But I got in, and I started it. And I heard this whoa sound. And the next thing I know, there was smoke pouring out 
from under the hood. I'm like, great. Now my truck's on fire. You know, and it's amazing how quick you can go from thinking you're so blessed to thinking you got a problem. I did have a problem. Somehow, and Brother Orson and I touched on this a little bit after the minister's meeting, somehow that alternator went from working fine, it wasn't chirping, it wasn't squealing, it wasn't doing anything, to froze solid without me ever driving the vehicle. That wasn't an accident. That was just Satan's way of trying to see if he could discourage me. And all I kept saying was, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. You know how many times I had to keep saying, you're blessed? God was saying, come on to higher ground. The devil's trying to knock you down. Don't let him climb to higher ground. Be blithesome. Be cheerful. It's not easy all the time, is it? It's not. But we can't let Satan win. And when we get down, and when we say, ah, woe is me, and why does this have to happen to me? He has us right where he wants us, in the valley. And sometimes, you're going to need to remind me. You're going to say, David, be a hiker, not a piker. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Dear ones, have you ever, how, you know, how frequently have you said that verse? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of little cards. You, you, we could probably go to, well, I was going to say, we probably go to any store now. We probably have to go to Hobby Lobby to get a, or, or Sacred Melody to get a card with the Beatitudes on it. But I have read that card, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Oh, blessed are they. Even if I read this in the Amplified, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in the state of which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does that mean? Am I thirsting? Am I hungry? for the righteousness and right standing with God. That's definitely a mountaintop experience. You know, we all know what it's like to be hungry. Right now I'm a little thirsty. Not hungry, but I'm thirsty. But when, our, when we need water, when we need food, our body craves it. We need it. it we're desperate for it. Are we hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness. Because if we are, we're going to be filled. If I'm hungering and I'm thirsting for my truck, I'm not going to be filled. Thankfully, with the help of Jeremy and Tim, I didn't need a tow. We got an alternator in it. It's running great. And thankfully, Jeremy said, Dad, how many miles do you have on your truck? 100,000. He says, not bad. An alternator and a serpentine belt lasted 100,000. That serpentine belt probably would have lasted 200,000 if the alternator would have stopped. However, if we're hungering and thirsting after things of this earth, we will not be filled because it's, it's, it's kind of like when I, when, 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 I, when I teach a lesson on motivation in, in industry, I usually get a lot of heads tipping when I say money is not a good motivator. It's not. 
And they all just look at me like, you know, like that dog that wonders what happened. The head all turns and like, is this guy all right? Why would he think money? Money is a great motivator. And then I asked him this question. I said, think of the last time you got a great raise or a big bonus. And then they, some of them get a smirk and some say, yeah, all right, that would have been nice. You can tell people are very negative, right? But they, they're like, oh, yeah, mm, yeah, okay. And I said, how long did that feeling last? And they're like, oh, all of a sudden this crazy guy, now the head starts straightening up. And I said, maybe a couple weeks, right? The head's nod. And I said, so why didn't it last? And they all answer, because we spent it. Because we changed our lifestyle. Our standard of living increased. And I said, money's like a drug. You always need more of it to have that good feeling come back. But the righteousness that comes from God, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. We just got to hunger and thirst for the right things. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Wow. You know, dear ones, we need a whole lot more mercy. That's what the person was saying this past week when they said, if Christians would act like Christians, we wouldn't have trouble evangelizing. Mercy. Loving. Kindness. God's, you know, God looks at everyone as his creation with intrinsic value. Value he has placed in each one of them. And the question I have to ask myself is, do I look at everyone that way? Blessed, happy to be envied, again, with spiritual prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction. Again, regardless of the outward condition, are the merciful. Because we're going to obtain mercy, and I'm so glad that I can obtain mercy. Because so often, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve mercy from my family. I don't deserve mercy from God. I don't deserve mercy from my employer my clients, but I'm so thankful that they extend it. The question for myself is, how much of that will I extend to others? If I want to be blessed, if I want to live on the top of the mountain, if I want my feet to be standing on solid ground, higher ground, heaven's table land, I have to be merciful. When? All the time. When I get cut off. When I get cursed at. When I read all the horrible things that people are going to say about Christians and, and people with, with beliefs that are similar to mine. We're going to get to a verse that will explain why. Blessed are the pure in heart. Ooh, for they shall see God. Huh. Do you think about that? The psalmist David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And he didn't leave it there. 
He didn't say, search me, O God, and know my heart and lead me in the way. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. And his desire for a pure heart was so great that he said, try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Dear ones, I don't think I've ever prayed that. I need to. Because if I want to have a pure heart, I need to, and think about what we're, all, what we're asking for. That, that's, like, that's worse than praying for patience. Because I'm saying, Lord, don't just search my heart. Put me in the position where I might have the greatest possibility of turning my back on you. And then give me the grace to be true. That's faith. Frida did a, a, a thing with the kids that did the egg float. So you can, you can ask her about it, not me. But it was about faith. So ask her, or no, don't ask her. Ask the Sunday school kids about their faith lesson. And they're going to tell you about it. Jesus said, okay, Peter. Well, Peter said, Jesus, bid me come. Jesus said, okay, Peter, get out of the boat. Are we willing to get out of the boat? If we want to see God, we have to be pure in heart. And so some might say, well, what's the, you know, why would you ask to be challenged? Why would you ask to be proven? Because in those moments when I am challenged, when I am proven, is when I can experience God more fully. We, do, we, we see God, perhaps, on the mountains, but we experience God in the valleys when there isn't anything else left. When we're literally at the end of our rope and Jesus says, let go. Don't hold on. Because you're really not holding on anyways. You only think you are. Just let go and I will be there to carry you. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I'm not even gonna, I don't need to read all what that blessing means. You get it already. I won't read more verses. But dear ones, are we really peacemakers? I'm not that much of a peacemaker. I'm too quick to speak up when it's not, you know. It's one thing to rebuke darkness. When the Spirit says rebuke darkness, it's another thing to voice my opinion in times when it has no value. That's not peacemaking. So I'm praying that in the weeks to come, the Lord's going to help me become more of a peacemaker. More of a person that's looking to draw people rather than push people away. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be, and there's, there's persecution now that we may not even really be sensing. 
when there's an attack on everything that is right and just and true. Who knows? The day may come when there will be physical persecution. And if that day comes, I'm simply going to reflect on the example that my father-in-law gave of how to endure that. Because God is greater than everything. Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Why? Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. How should I expect to be treated any differently than Jesus, my Savior, the apostolic fathers, or the prophets that were before them? And dear ones, what we have to realize is, and Jesus pointed it out, Remember some of Jesus' last words? After they had beat him, they had spit on him, they reviled him, he said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. So all of these folks that today just are so misguided and confused and following the wrong spiritual influences don't know what they're doing. Again, I'm not saying we don't rebuke the works of darkness. The Lord says rebuke it, rebuke it. But just understand they don't know what they're doing. And I need to be able to say thank you, Lord. As my early church fathers that we read about, thank you for allowing me to suffer. For Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas, look what they did. They sang when they were in that Philippian jail. After they had been beaten, unrighteous, with, with unrighteous, for the, illegally had been beaten. Not only was it wrong that they were beaten, it was illegal that they were beaten. But Paul allowed himself to be beaten. Why? Because I'm sure in that, I, do I think that the, that the Lord said to him, hey, if you just allow yourself to be beaten, the Philippian jailer and his family are going to convert. I don't think that happened. I think that Paul was just so in tune with the Spirit that the Lord just said, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And then when he and Silas found themselves in that, in that prison, and it was dark and the rats were scurrying around, they sang. And the singing helped them. The singing created in their brains, endorphins were released, dopamine was released, serotonin was released in their brains. They were feeling better. That singing literally masked the pain from the lashes that they had received. So they were blessed. And after all of that suffering, they saw the salvation of the jailer and his family. And along with Lydia, the seller of purple, there was a church established in Philippi. So if we, want to be, if we really want to be blessed, if we really want to live the words of that song, Higher Ground, we've got to climb. We've got to resign ourselves to be hikers. Climb on the mountain. Get up there with Jesus. Listen to what he's saying. 
and we will be blessed and blithesome while here on earth. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.